RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim DeVico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains, and Happy New Year! You're listening to episode 395 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, January 8th, 2019, and available for download or streaming on Friday, January 11th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. All right, Kenna, why don't we jump on in? Tell us what we've got in store this week. Well, we're checking out the news that there are even more Star Trek shows in the works than we previously thought. And Alex Kurtzman gives us concrete details about the setting of the Picard series, due out later this year. Anson Mount and Ethan Peck are discussing their upcoming roles as Pike and Spock. And it's looking like the fourth Kelvin Timeline movie has been shelved. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, there are some changes coming to the Crystalline Catastrophe featured TFO, and we have the first details for the ninth anniversary update. In our on-screen segment, we're discussing the latest short trek, The Escape Artist, and as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, remember that those hailing frequencies are always open, and we love to hear from you between episodes, so please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast we're on twitter and instagram at priority one pod you can even send us an email via incoming at priority one podcast.com captains we had a fantastic 2018 thanks in large to our patrons because of their support we're able to upgrade our tech for instance, the introduction of our new Restream program that allows us to stream our live episode recordings on Tuesday nights to multiple platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and more. Something that we can also share with the Armada. Because of our patrons, we're able to do these upgrades to bring you more content each and every week. Not to mention, we've already hit the ground running this year with After Hours. Our first episode covered the season premiere of The Orville. That's additional podcasts just for our patrons. Now you can check out all the perks and what you get in return by visiting us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. But for $10, you get the raw, unedited recording of Priority One Podcast. You get After Hours, an entirely separate podcast that covers things like the Orville or uh, whatever sci-fi news might be happening in the week. You'll also get early access to interviews and much more. Now, of course, we understand that a financial contribution may not be in the cards. And don't forget, you don't have to donate $10. You can donate $1. And we're still so very grateful. But if that financial contribution isn't in the cards, then there are other ways that you can support Priority One. For instance, when you see us go live on social media platforms, be sure to retweet and share that we're live. 
or when you see us post an episode. Share that too. Let your fellow Trekkies know that they can get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news right here on Priority One Podcast. Speaking of patrons, we have to say hello to Jonathan for joining the Patreon community. Thank you so very much for believing in Priority One Podcast and offering up a financial contribution each month. Because honestly, without your support, none of this would be possible. Now, Captains, before we move on, we have a few dates that we want you to mark in your calendars. First up next week on Thursday, January 17th, Elijah and Anthony will be in New York City for the season premiere of Star Trek Discovery. Right now, the event is full, but you can still sign up to be put on a wait list. We're teaming up with Geek Life Rules for trivia, raffles, and of course, to watch the premiere together. Proceeds for the raffle will go to Chase Masterson's anti-bullying Pop Culture Hero Coalition. And on February 16th, we are celebrating our 400th episode. Can you believe it? We're only five episodes away from that, guy. I know. Five episodes It's incredible. And we're doing quite a bit to celebrate. First of all, we'll be on campus at Cryptic Studios celebrating our 400th episode with them. And you can be sure to receive tons of content because we will be doing interviews and we'll be seeing what they're working on while we're there. Totally going to peep that whiteboard. Patrons will get early access to that. But most importantly, to celebrate our 400th episode, on February 16th, Saturday, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, for 12 hours, the Priority One team will be playing games live on Twitch to raise money for Extra Life's partnership with Children's Miracle Network and the Philadelphia Children's Hospital. We have giveaways from our friends like the Roddenberry Store and more. And again, all the proceeds will go to Extra Life in the Philadelphia Children's Hospital. This happens on Saturday, February 16th, starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. Captains, we're counting on you to help us save a future Trekkie's life. Links to all the information to all these events will, of course, be in our show notes. Now, let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what places? I don't know. Then let's Trek it out. If you liked short treks, like the idea of animated Star Trek, or just want more Star Trek in general, then you may want to send Star Trek helmsman Alex Kurtzman something nice. In a Creative Space interview set to be published on January 9th, Kurtzman told The Hollywood Reporter that animation was a specific area of interest for Star Trek and said there will be a, quote, minimum of two, end quote, animated shows in production. He continued, quote, there's other animated things that we're building that are on an entirely different perspective and an entirely different tone from Lower Decks. What's exciting about it is not only looking at each animated series as what's the different tone, but what's the different technology we can apply to these things so that visually they're entirely different, end quote. Further, Kurtzman may have clued us in on the subject matter of the newest kids-focused animated trek. Quote, I go back to my childhood and Luke Skywalker, the farm boy who looks out at the twin sons of Tatooine and imagines his future. Trek never gave me that. Trek was always fully formed adults, already in Starfleet, and people who have decided who they are. And it never was aspirational that way. It's important to me to find a way to go back and reach younger kids in a way that Trek should and never really has." End quote. The Hollywood Reporter also reported that two new short treks, both animated, have been ordered and are set to air in the spring following, of course, the wrap-up of Discovery's second season. I love all of this. Yeah. All of it, basically. (laughs) Next. So, (laughs) yes, I I like, you know what I like is the comparison he made with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. That, that's true. That is very true. 
Um, I when I was a kid watching TNG, I guess it wasn't Wesley that drew me in. That's for that's for sure. Mm-hmm. But it was this idea of the future and space space exploration. But comparing it to Luke, you know, on Tatooine, looking out into the galaxy and wondering what is what lies in the future. I, I get that. I I like that. You know, we might see a journey for younger kids. What I what I love about this is that this is going to ensure the longevity of Star Trek for another generation. That is something that Star Wars has done very successfully in their cultivation of new fans through the prequels, through the Clone Wars, through Star Wars Rebels, the animated series, through this new uh, collection of animated shows that they have going. And that is one thing that's led to their success. And I think that this is something that Star Trek desperately needs. And I'm glad that they're putting a priority on it because I'll be honest with you, my young kids are six and three and they think Star Trek is boring and this is something a three-year-old it is boring well exactly and and this is something that i can introduce to them hopefully they'll like and something we can share together and sort of bring them the gospel now there's one thing that um we didn't touch on that's in that same article from the hollywood reporter and they actually i'm not really sure what source they have for this but they talk about star trek discovery short treks the untitled picard series but then they also make reference to a discovery spin-off starring michelle yo and a younger skewing starfleet academy from josh schwartz and stephanie savage from the oc as being among other projects in the works now they don't cite exactly where that comes from but it's really interesting to me in particular that they've actually attached names to the starfleet academy series that's in the works as well so that's sort of hidden in there um certainly less concrete but you know what's coming out of this is we're getting more details of all of the myriad of little tendrils that they're exploring in the star trek space and so far I am liking absolutely everything I hear. During the previously mentioned Creative Space interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Alex Kurtzman discussed the untitled Picard series and told us a bit about getting Sir Patrick Stewart back into the role of Jean-Luc Picard. Kurtzman, along with Akiva Goldsman and Kirsten Beyer, pitched the idea to Stewart, who asked for a three-page outline. The trio, along with Michael Chabon, handed in the pitch, but, quote, it turned into a 34-page document. With no way to shorten it, we were going all in, and he was going to read it or not read it, love it or hate it. It was our best attempt at trying to get him to say yes, end quote. The conversation continued with the digital spy. Kurtzman told the website, quote, It was a very emotional thing for all of us to engage with each other because Patrick needed to make sure that we were coming from the right place and that we wanted to protect what Next Gen means to so many people and what his character specifically means to so many people, end quote. But that's not all. During the interview, Kurtzman told The Hollywood Reporter, quote, quote, Picard's life was radically altered by the dissolution of the Romulan Empire, end quote. Of course, Kurtzman is referring to the events of 2009's Star Trek, the first Kelvin Universe film. No other information was given about the premise of that as-yet-untitled series, but what we got was a spicy trek nugget <laughs> I guess we'll have to stay tuned for more information. I don't hate this idea, right? The destruction of Romulus from the, the uh, Hobus Supernova mm-hmm. is... Prime mm-hmm. is Prime yep. Universe, right? If you read, if you read the IDW comics leading up to the JJ vs. Coven timeline yeah, split, that happened in our in yep. the Prime Universe, right? What we know to be the Prime Universe, and and Picard um, was and involved. We've also seen this explored the development of that of the jellyfish ship in that comic. He's in that mm-hmm. comic, yeah, right. 
And right. he's the he ambassador to Romulus, isn't he? It's a Vulcan. It's a Vulcan. That's right. He's the That's ambassador right. to Vulcan now. Yeah. So I'm not disappointed with this in any way, shape, or form. I th and, and then we've also seen what Star Trek Online mm -hmm. has done with what happened to the Romulan Empire 30 years after Nemesis. So I'm curious to see what they'll do that may affect Star Trek Online's mm -hmm. story. Right, and how, how Star Trek Online treated the Romulans. But I think this this makes sense, right? We understand him to retire to be an ambassador to Vulcan. This happens, and Spock is gone. Spock was the ambassador yeah. to Romulus. Now Picard might need to step in for Spock, right? He he carries his Katra. Yeah. It's a it's a I'm sorry, no, he carry he carries Sarek's yeah. Katra. It's a totally relevant storyline for us to explore with Picard. He was um, involved in uh, unification one and two where they're trying to unify the Vulcans and the Romulans, so he's got a relationship that it pre exists with the Romulans and you know, it, it's a totally relevant place for us to start with Picard's story. And it's also the first opportunity that we really can tell a story that hasn't been told before because I think the Hobus disaster is the last point in the prime timeline that we've actually explored so far in canon, if I'm correct, I think. My, my only hesitation is that it gives us a very limited context to work in and this feels like it's going to be a very limited, constrained series I'm because if that's the premise that you're starting with, it's not very open-ended. If you're talking about Picard and his coping with the Hobus disaster then that sound that feels to me like a limited series and a story that you're going to tell it doesn't feel open-ended it doesn't feel seven seasons of the adventures of old picard so i think it's totally relevant i am curious to find out what that is actually going to mean and what that series is going to look like overall i was not a fan of this idea when i heard it i'll be honest with you I read this and I was like, really? They're really going to bring, you know, the events of the Kelvin film into it? And then the more I thought about it, the more I loved it. And because the last thing we see Picard doing on screen is he's fighting a mirror version of himself that the Romulans created in order to, you know, throw chaos into the Federation. That was the goal. And then they, they abandoned it as they do with their projects. Granted, Nemesis, not a great Star Trek film, but I think that this has the potential of not really rectifying Nemesis, but it allows us to bring in some of those elements. Giving it yeah, more giving substance. It, exactly, giving it more substance, number one. Um, also, his relationship with Spock, the fact that Spock has disappeared, he, like you said, he carries a part of Sarek inside him. That must be devastating for him just with the loss of Spock alone is going to devastate him. The Romulan Empire is now in disarray. And the other thing is that there's an opportunity of what we know from Michael Burnham's relationship to Sarek that I would not be surprised if, if Picard mentions Michael Burnham at some point in the show. Now, I hope it's earned. I hope that moment's earned if they try to connect the two in a certain way. But there's an opportunity here to really bring a lot of the Star Trek mythos <laughs> together under one show. And Kenna, I, I, I can see your concerns a little bit, but I think that this is pertaining to the emotional state of Picard, and then there's going to be an external conflict that he's going to have to deal with. I wouldn't be surprised if he has some responsibility with the reconstruction of the Romulan government in some way, or perhaps mm -hmm. even he wants to be involved and maybe the Federation doesn't want him involved because of 
things. I think there's a, a real opportunity to go in a lot of different directions. I actually see it as a little bit more open-ended than, than possibly another type of storyline. So I'm really excited about this now. So sticking with TV, but switching gears a little bit, Star Trek Discovery's marketing team is making one last push, getting the word out that January 17th, the air date for season two's premiere episode, Brother, is right around the corner. CBS All Access has released a video featuring Anson Mount entitled Becoming Pike. While many of the opinions and insight in the video have been expressed before, Mount gave a new look into Pike's leadership style, saying, He is completely unafraid to admit he has no idea what the right decision is. He utilizes his crew as much as commands them. I think that's a really good quality in the leader. Mount reinforces these comments in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, telling the website, quote, Kirk has a swagger and is good at thinking outside the box because he's a rule breaker. Pike is very by the book. He refers to the Starfleet code of conduct more often than not. What sets him apart from other captains, especially from Lorca, is he knows like any good leader, the most precious resource is his crew. When he's stuck, he's not afraid to say, I'm lost. Anybody got a better idea? He uses the bridge as a bigger brain, end quote. Check out the EW.com article for some new stills, and be sure to check out Becoming Pike. Some fun new clips and a bit of canon can be found there. Links, as always, will be in the show notes. Discovery's Anson Mount wasn't the only Star Trek newcomer to promote Season 2. Ethan Peck, the latest actor to don the iconic Spock ears, sat down with TV Insider to give a little perspective on this new Spock. Peck says of Discovery-era Spock, quote, He's not yet fully realized. I view this time in his history as an opportunity for us to explore Mr. Spock's genesis. It's during this moment that he reconciles his human and Vulcan sides, so we see him sway between extremes of emotion and logic. He's absolutely more emotional than we've seen him before. Those feelings erupt from deep within him, triggered by a traumatic event. He's dealing with his human side for the first time since childhood, a process that is essential to his development, end quote. Peck also answered questions about Spock's relationship with his stepsister, Michael Burnham. Quote, it's badly damaged, and this season explores where it stands and where it can go, end quote. It's really interesting. Both of these these two stories with Anson Mount and Ethan Peck, both of these actors talk a lot about the talk a lot about their character and their character's motivation and I know actors do that like you know it's my motivation but I'm, I'm hoping that it's actually setting us up for a little bit more introspective type of storytelling where we're learning about characters and how they grow and how they fit into uh, what we know about Starfleet and so I'm kind of looking forward to that especially the things that Anson Mount was talking about with leadership I expect my captains to be really great leaders and aspirational leaders I saw that from Captain Picard. I saw that in Captain Janeway. We did not see that with Lorca. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing that with Anson Mount. Um, not sure how I feel about Spock and he's all like emotional and stuff, but I'm, I'm just going to kind of give him a pass on that because I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm really looking forward to Anson Mount's portrayal of, of Christopher Pike. I think that The Cage is a great pilot episode for anything, especially for television of its time. And, you know, he he's obviously been through a lot when, when we see him at The Cage, right? He's unloading on his doctor, you know, the, the, the pressures of... of being a captain. So although he may be a great leader, that doesn't mean that he's not flawed or not not just flawed, but just a human who is stretched a bit too thin. So I am really looking forward to exploring this character in the way that I think Discovery will. And I don't think we're going to love him any less than we might already do just from what we know in canon. What I love about 
bringing Pike into Discovery season two and him being the captain, you know, of the of the ship in the series for for this season is that not only is it in the show in the story. He's sort of restoring the crew's faith in a captain because of their experience with Lorca in season one. But also, a lot of Discovery fans kind of felt cheated that they didn't get that captain that you described, kind of, you know, the one that you can look up Mm -hmm. to, the, the inspiring leader. And I feel like this is sort of their way of somewhat correcting that and giving us more of the Star Trek flavor that we know and love. And finally this week, the Game of Thrones prequel series has named its series premiere director. And if you're wondering why that's relevant, it's because the new director is S.J. Clarkson. Deadline announced that the presumed first woman silver screen Star Trek director would helm the Game of Thrones prequel pilot. And Star Trek IV may be in a bit of trouble. According to the article, quote, Clarkson was recruited by HBO for Game of Thrones after she recently became available. Earlier this year, Clarkson was the first female director to be tapped to direct a Star Trek movie when she was hired to helm the fourth feature in the current series. That project has since been shelved, end quote. Now, there has been treculation aplenty, but from io9, quote, We reached out to Paramount reps to clarify the current status of Star Trek IV, and they told us they had no comment at this time, end quote. Both articles will be linked in the show notes, so trek them out. I don't care anymore. This is not really a surprise. It's kind of been tacitly understood. I mean, I was kind of, I was really looking forward to S.J. Clarkson being the director of Star Trek IV, but I think it was sometime like early last year, we knew that Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto were having contract negotiation difficulties and that kind of fell through and we've kind of had no more movement since then, except for that whole um, Megan What's-Her-Face speculation. The thing is, so I was reading a few articles, every single one of them goes back to deadline for saying that the project has been shelved. We haven't really had confirmation whether Star Trek IV has been shelved. We don't technically know, but it is a plausible theory. Evidence points to that being the case, at least for the time being. The great news is this is not the only Star Trek that we're getting, so we don't have to hang all of our hopes and dreams on it. Right, and, you know, yes, the J.J. movies caused a significant amount of debate. They still do. You know, beyond the first one and beyond were fun adventures. The second one was blasphemous. Um, <laughs> I don't even want to say it's the title of it. Of Into Blasphemy. The Into Blasphemy. They're fun adventures, right? But, but really, Star Trek has always, always done its best work on the small screen. So, you know, we're and we're obviously getting that. Kurtzman is has the ship full steam ahead to produce several several incarnations of Star Trek and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the Paramount only has uh ground to lose right now. It's it's going to be hard for them to compete against the Kurtzman juggernaut that's going on right now. Um it's probably a good idea for them to take a pause at least for a little while and then get it right. And not for nothing Discovery is remarkably cinematic mm-hmm. film the big screen it is big screen it's actually word. a little too cinematic for my taste but that's another discussion well that wraps up trek it out this week but before we move on to star trek online and gaming news we have a community question captains how do you think the destruction of the romulan empire will affect the picard series let us know in the comments section for this episode at priority one podcast.com forward slash po395 or by replying to our community question posts on our social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter. Now let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. 
I'm only in the mood for good news today. This week in Star Trek Online News, we welcome back Fleet Admiral Winters from the Priority One Armada. Winters, as always, it's good to have you on the show. Thank you very much. It is absolutely fantastic to be back in 2019. Yes, sir. All right, Anthony, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week in Star Trek Online. Well, the Age of Discovery relinquishes to its Terran counterparts when Mirror of Discovery launches alongside the ninth anniversary event later this month. For the first time in any Star Trek media, we'll meet the real Captain Killy of the ISS Discovery from the Mirror Universe. The Slayer of Sorna Prime and her Terran allies appear on the mysterious planet of Pavo, first seen in the Season 1 Discovery episode, C.V. Pachem Parabellum. The story will take place in the current Stowe timeline of 2410 and will include two new story episodes. Mirror of Discovery and the 9th Anniversary update will arrive on PC January 23rd and later for console players. I'm thrilled that we're going to actually see Mary Wiseman play Captain Killy, the actual Captain Killy, not Tilly playing as Killy, but in fact, the real Slayer of Sorna Prime. And what is really impressive is the artwork and the character detail for Mary Wiseman. That was awfully impressive. I mean, way to go, Star Trek Online. I, I'm really excited to uh, to see what this is going to be like, because um, it's actually only pretty recently that I finally made a Star Trek Discovery character in Star Trek Online. Uh, I finally got to take in the performance from Mary Wiseman, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. She she nailed that character. Like, I really thought I was watching the show, you know, uh, or listening to it, whatever. She'd done a brilliant job of reprising her role uh, in the, the new Discovery uh, faction. What's really great, if you haven't had the chance on this past week's 10 Forward stream from Ambassador Kel, Al had clips of Captain Killy dialogue on his phone that he was playing. He played like three or four lines from the dialogue that they had recorded that day for this for these episodes, and they were amazing. You need to go listen to them. She brings it, and it's just it's everything you would expect and more from from Mary Weissman as Captain Killy. Awesome. The ninth anniversary event will, of course, bring back the Omega Molecule Stabilization event, Woo-hoo! as well as collecting Omega Particles to earn the new Tier 6 Vulcan Scout Ship. Also debuting with the ninth anniversary update is the new Personal Endeavor System, which will be an addition to the currently named Universal Endeavor System. Available to captains starting at level 60, this new system track will allow players to earn account-wide stat increases by completing account-wide Endeavor tasks. Every day, captains will have three levels of tasks to complete, easy, medium, and hard, which will earn Personal Endeavor experience that will unlock perk points. These perk points can be spent on increasing stats for all characters on your account. So explain to me how this is different from the existing Endeavor system. So when I log into the game, you know, on my little mission window on the side, you know, I see that there are Endeavor missions that I can complete. And then you get like a a reward pack with marks and whatnot. This is now something separate from that or, or they're changing that? This is different. So this is going to be in addition. So they they just recently rebranded the Endeavor system to Universal Endeavors. So for the current Endeavors, you do, and you do it once per account, and you get, you know, whatever the bonuses are for that. This is a new personal Endeavor system that will give you three levels of tasks each day. Completing these tasks will earn you personal Endeavor experience towards uh, perk points, which then you can convert those perk points 
into stat increases. So like three will randomly pop up and then you choose which one you wanna spend your point on and it increases that stat for all your characters across the board. So you have chances to increase things like critical chance or critical hit damage, uh, things like that across all of your characters on, on your entire account. Even low level ones will get the stat increase. Now, what I'm curious about that I don't think I seen in the blog was that are these stat increases permanent or are they temporary? There's a big difference if it's only going to last for 20 hours or, you know, seven days versus, you know, once you increase the stats, that's it. It, it, it. You have a permanent stat increase, which is probably a little bit OP, so you're probably only temporary. Right, but that doesn't do any good for a player like me because sometimes, you know, it'll be days before I log in again, right? You know, I've been playing much more these last several months for sure, and I try to log in at least once a day to to run some some TFOs, but at least to mitigate that, they are doing the Endeavor box. So you also get some energy credits, Dilithium more crafting materials, reputation marks, fleet marks, and uh, specialization points. So, you know, even if it is temporary, I may not be interested in completing it for that, a temporary boost, because again, I may not see, I may not reap the rewards for that, but at least you're also getting some other bonus things too. The folks over at the Stowe DPS League, a website focused on high damage starship and ground builds for the Star Trek Online characters, is hosting a screenshot contest for the Fakiri Store Warship. The winner of this contest will receive 10 Master Keys in-game, and their screenshot will be featured in the Starship Build Post for the Fakiri Store Warship. The prize of 10 Master Keys is limited to the PC version of the game, and the deadline for entries is January 17th. For more details and how to enter, check out our show notes or visit the DPS League at sto-league.com. Two days away from getting the ship, and I'm excited. But, Jason, if you're listening to this, you should definitely submit your screenshots because you've got some epic skills, man. I have this ship already, and I do use it on my Klingon main character. I do find myself running around certain systems just on full impulse just to watch those flames go. <laughs> it's, I, I, and I'll, I'll just go in circles. I'll just go in circles for like two or three minutes just watching the flames. Obviously, all while I'm playing ACDC in the background. Nice. <laughs> nice. The most recent game update on PC had some notable additions. The first being that the Crystalline Catastrophe TFO has been updated with the changes first introduced in last year's Crystalline Cataclysm event. These changes are aimed to make the TFOs more strategic and bring the time investment more in line with other TFOs. Also buried in the patch notes is the Mission Doomsday device, which has received all brand new cutscenes and animations, some of which were teased during the Star Trek Online 10 Forward livestream this past Wednesday with guest and Stowe animator Weston Pierce. This concludes his reworking of the Klingon War story arc for the Federation faction. If you haven't played these missions in a while, now is a great time to revisit them. I didn't even know that he had been going back and redoing animations. I knew that that would happen at some point, but he's already done Stranded in Space, Diplomatic Orders, and now a doomsday device. And now that I know that, I'm definitely going to go back and replay these missions because uh, Weston does great work. Uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about his stuff when Victory's Life released, and to know that he's gone back and redone some of this stuff, it just uh, makes me really excited to go back and replay it. I had taken advantage of the bonus XP weekend to uh, get through on my Delta recruit. I remember playing Doomsday, and, you know, again, it's still impressive even with the way it was because, remember, this was 
was this was those were one of the first missions that were reanimated and it was very cinematic that was years ago so you're right now i now i have to go back and i have to replay it and watch the whole thing again i was the same as yourself anthony i actually stumbled across this stuff by accident uh, and it was in my current let's play series that i'm doing on my youtube channel while doing missions you know i noticed hey i noticed some difference basically it had all been tweaked and updated uh, in a number of different missions. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. It was done very, very quietly. And for captains on all three platforms, you can take advantage of a not cool red alert weekend along with an upgrade weekend from now until Monday, January 14th. And in the C-Store, discount packs are reduced by 20% until Monday as well. If I remember correctly, there's lobby store sale for console over this weekend as well. Well, that's it for this week in gaming news. Now, let's see what's on screen in the latest Star Trek Discovery Short Trek. On screen. Well, Captains, welcome to On Screen, where we dissect the latest episode of Star Trek. This week, Short Treks, The Escape Artist. We start with a decidedly disco intro song and open on Harcourt Fenton Mud, thrown to the floor of a Tellarite trade freighter. His captor, a tall, masked female bounty hunter, receives payment from the Tellarite trader and ignores insults and bribes from the bruised mud before departing. We learn that Harry has been sold to Tevrin Crit, an angry Tellarite whose sister slept with Harry before he absconded with the family's sacred cudgel. Mud denies the allegations, claiming he's an honorable man, but is interrupted by his Starfleet rap sheet. With a list that includes smuggling, regicide, and penetrating a space whale, it's no surprise the Federation is offering a 100,000 credit reward. A little worming by mud leads us to a flashback. A Klingon, familiar insults, and a kick to the face bring us right back to the Tellarite ship. More worming, including the recollection of his forbidden tryst with Tevrin's sister and a story about Mud's membership in a secret resistance. And another flashback. This time, Mud is being led around by a short female bounty hunter with a poor sense of direction. A few underwhelming flirtations, and back to the here and now. Tevrin asks Mud about his supposed wealth, but Mud declares he has lost what little he had to the Federation taxman, saying if he had any money, he'd be sipping jippers on a beach somewhere. Tevrin presses and Mud's continued denial leads us to... You guessed it, another flashback. Mud is suspended by his wrist, bragging about his wealth in an attempt to bribe an Orion male. Capes seem to be a selling point until an Orion woman enters, pointing out the camera in the room. Knock it! A clumsy excuse from the man and more flirtatious remarks from Harry leads to a electrocution with some orby looking device. And once again, we're back to the bridge of the Tellarite ship. Tevrin's ship finally rendezvous with the USS DeMilo, and the pair beam over to the Federation vessel. The officer sent to meet Crit seems weary when he recognizes something about the Tellarite and his prize. The officer asks if Mud was purchased from a tall female bounty hunter, then explains that the Tellarite's captive isn't Harcourt Fenton Mud, but an android duplicate of that criminal. A door opens and half a dozen Mud replicants are exposed. A disco-y song about drinking jippers on a beach somewhere is performed, and then the big reveal. It turns out that the tall female bounty hunter isn't a female at all. 
It's Harcourt Fenton Mud. On a ship run by several mud replicants, the criminal receives a call and sets up another mud transaction, then offers a cudgel as well. The end. So, uh, you know what my biggest takeaway is from this episode? Is that they have done a remarkable job with music for short treks and arranging the original theme and then also exploring with other orchestrations. You know, for these little short treks, right? These little throw... I'm going to call them throwaway episodes. They've put quite a lot of money into them. Like, there's no doubt about it. There's quite a significant level of production value to these. As far as the episode goes, I didn't hate it, but I definitely didn't love it. It was cute, I guess. Like, okay. Oh, yeah, he does the Android thing. Oh, yeah, of course I remember because he made his, the, the android females on the planet. It makes all sense. It's tying together. But that was it. I thought that this was surprisingly the most well-written of the four. I thought that it was structured nice. I thought that it was executed very well. I didn't find it particularly spectacular or like, oh, wow. I, I found it cute and funny and I, I enjoyed it. But it didn't pop for me like the Tilly one did or the Saru one even. Like, I feel like those two were more informative or more like... Had more substance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There was more depth to them. This one I thought was like it was the most well-written and executed one out of the four. But it was also kind of like predictable and safe. I didn't catch the twist at the end. I didn't know that that was coming, but I did enjoy it. I do very much enjoy this iteration of Mud's character, and I know Kenna's going to give us an earful in a minute, but... (laughs) (laughs) How did that... (laughs) But I like specifically, and I'll say this iteration of Mud, because I feel like this is a different iteration of Mud than the other one. And I know that there's a link to an article that we have in our production notes where Rain Wilson is very much aware of the darkness and negative aspects of Harry Mudd from the original series. And he's even aware that all of us, except for Kenna, tends to remember just the funny and humorous parts about it. And I like the fact that he is combining the two in a way to almost give us a more honest representation of Mud in Discovery than what we got in the original series. One last thing I want to say, because I know Kenna's being quiet because she is going to is going to unleash a fury. It, with respect to the positives of the episode. It's not that it's a fun Harry Mudd episode, but you're right. This one was actually surprisingly well-written. It definitely could have been anybody but Mud. But the, I found the dialogue was refreshing, and the dynamic between Mud and the Tellarite was also refreshing. It was a side of Star Trek that we don't often get to see. We saw a little bit of things like that with Enterprise when, when Archer gets captured by the Tellarite. Like, that's kind of what it reminded me a little bit of. But this one, the dialogue was more real. It wasn't heightened. wasn't theatrical. It was... Well, it was honest to the characters. Right, right. I really like this iteration of Mud, And I feel like it's just, it's there's an intangible thing about him that I think they almost had to bring the character back if they wanted a character like this. And the other thing is, I'll, and I'll end with this. This, this gives me hope for the Lower Decks uh, animated series because the writer of this short trek is going to be the head writer for the Lower Decks show. And seeing how well this one was written, I'm more excited about that animated series. Okay. 
<laughs> so first of all, I want to say that the, the reason that I have been being been quiet is not because I've been just um, sharply drawing in my breath for the last five minutes in anticipation of a huge rant. That's not going to happen today. Um, I think I've been pretty clear um, in the past about my feelings about Harry Mudd. Uh, my problem chiefly with this episode is because it was all about Harry Mudd, I have nothing to say. I wish they hadn't have done it, and I can't see past the choice of the character. I think I'm pretty clear on my opinion that he needs to be left in the past. And I would have liked to see it maybe with a different character, you know, even give Rain Wilson a chance to direct somebody else doing a different role. My central issue with this is that it's yet another telling where we're trying to legitimize Harry Mudd. And... When it got finished, my immediate thought was, well, we might as well do a feature with Bill Cosby's new comedy special. Harry Mudd is an incredibly problematic character and needs to be left in the dust. He's a figment of the 60s that does not pass muster today. And for them to continually try and legitimize that character by doing a new interpretation or anything to continue to give him screen time is wrong and they need to stop doing it. And because of that, I can't really see any past. And I I feel terrible because I feel like I'm being a bit of a cliche, but it's hard for me to take any further delight or joy joy or or see beyond that one choice that the producers and the writers chose to bring Harry Mudd back to our screen in a way that attempts to legitimize him and they need to not. You're right. You know, Harry Mudd should be left in the 60s. I didn't like the episodes that he was introduced with in, in Discovery for several reasons, including what you've explained. There was no need to bring him in. There was no need to play that fan service, whatever the fan service was. He didn't contribute anything to the story of Discovery in season one. It just didn't help. Like we already said earlier, my takeaway for this episode was great. This is the, this is the Rick and Morty guy. Fantastic. He's going to be able to produce something that is witty, that is real, and will show a side of the Federation and Starfleet and and the, the, the Star Trek universe in a lens that we're not used to. Like when we talk about the Orville on our Patreon exclusive After Hour show, Seth MacFarlane does a really great job at spotlighting some of the, the less flashy parts of humanity. But he doesn't do it dramatically. He does it with humor, right? And I think that the Rick and Morty guy is going to do just that for something like Lower Decks. We're going to see humor and we're going to see humanity and our silliness brought to light in a way that's that's not, you know, dramatic. It's not a CW teeny bopper show, you know? It's, it's nothing of that nature. It'll just be funny. It'll be good dialogue. I want to make it clear as well that in this particular Harry Mudd episode, there wasn't anything in his behavior that I found offensive, actually, which which is actually part of my argument and part of the problem because there were some of his previous performances that I did actually find offensive, but that was not this episode. My criticism is is purely the choice to try and legitimize that character again. But I also agree that the type of writing, it was a totally watchable episode and if it hadn't been Harry Mudd, I would be having a, right. we would have a, be having a completely different discussion. This episode could have been anybody except Harry Mudd. It would have been better had it not been Harry Mudd. Are there no more lovable rogues in the entire galaxy? There's got to be at least one. I disagree. I don't want to take away from... Oh, don't worry. A lot of people disagree with me. 
and and I and I accept that. That's my that's my personal take on it. Um, there are a lot of people who agree with me, but there are a lot of people who disagree yeah, too. And you you have very valid points. And my only response would be that I feel like this version of the character is different and different enough that I don't connect the two. That was my comment about it. Might as well have been followed by the new Bill Cosby series because I don't care if if you don't connect those two characters. It's the same character. It's the same man who did the same things. And you can't reboot that universe. You can't just you can't just say it didn't happen because it did and, and if it you, does if right? you're gonna if disconnect if those timeline. if you're gonna disconnect the, the character like that then you should put the time and effort into developing a new character who hits the same notes uh, and doesn't come with all the problematic um, things that that character comes with from the 60s. The disappointing thing is that Rain Wilson is a good comedic actor. Mm -hmm. He knows his timing well. It would have been nice to have had him develop a new rogue, you know, somebody different. Use him for something else. Have him be, because he's not even the same Harry Mudd from TOS. It's not, it's not Harry Mudd from TOS, right? He's not doofy. Like the Harry Mudd in TOS is doofy. He's maniacal, but he's also doofy. And Rain Wilson is not, that's not his portrayal. What, do people really like Harry Mudd that much? Is that is that really No, I well, I don't think it was that's what I'm saying is I don't think it was fan service. I think what it is is they they wanted a character with those attributes and they just figured, well, why not just use a character that already exists? Yeah, and that was a poor decision. Right. They've created 400 other new characters including stepsister for Spock. That was never mentioned before. So that, that's no excuse. There's no Discovery reason to bring season back 2 Harry Mudd. turns out that Harry Mudd is Spock's other cousin. I think in summation, well-written in terms of dialogue, in terms of pacing, in terms of production. But, you know, there's not, I, don't, I don't want another Harry Mudd episode. That's it for this week's On Screen. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Well, episode 394 didn't have a community question, but our friends, you guys, kept the hailing frequencies open. From Patreon, Sergio writes in, Hi there. I would not like to let this opportunity pass without saying how much I appreciate all of the effort you guys put into each episode. It is an excellent source of information on everything Trek, but the real magic is the brilliant chemistry the team shows during the discussions. And this happiness is really contagious millions, thousands, thousands of miles away. The reason for supporting you through Patreon is quite simple. It is very good, and I want to help in making this continue for as long as you guys manage to. The special perks for patrons are also good, but I must be honest and say that even without them, I would still want to help. So a very honest thanks for all the fun you transmitted in 2018. And before, and the best wishes for more years to great entertainment and fun. Cheers. Cheers, Sergio. Thanks for being a patron. That was really sweet, actually. I read that and um, I felt a couple of the feels. That's really, really sweet. That's kind of part of why we do it. Part of it's because, you know, we love talking. Not going to lie. But um, to, to hear that other people uh, actually like listening and tuning in and supporting us is, is kind of amazeballs. So thank you, Sergio. From Twitter, Mike Tripp, also known as at Redshirt Photog, writes in and says, This afternoon, I had the honor of photographing the UVA versus Marshall basketball game and about fell over when I realized Virginia's Cavalier mascot looks just like 
at P1 Elijah of Priority One Pod. Anyone else see the similarity? Oh my god, yes. I, yes. So, yes, I clicked through to this picture, and it looks exactly like Elijah's wearing a, a silly hat and, like, a, a muscle outfit. It's ridiculous. It's great. I'll have you know that I saw this on New Year's Eve, and I passed <laughs> it around to my friends. And they're like, ah, I don't see it. So you, but They are I, all yeah, lying to you like, to yeah. protect your fragile <laughs> ego, because it looks exactly like you. <laughs> Wonderful. I do not. It's wonderful. Have a fragile ego. <laughs> That's what you would say, though, isn't it? But you Elijah. do. You do often put a feather in your cap, and there it is. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Bertolf says, "Bloop bloop." I want to see the archival evidence of y'all in your onesies now. Maybe that should be a con thing from now on. P1 Con Team onesie photo shoots. Anywho, hope you guys have had a merry Christmas. Bertolf out. Bloop, bloop. I love that he wrote it in the style of a blooper. <laughs> it's like, that's excellent. I This is great. I have always wanted to use my onesie. Via email, David Rutley wrote in a very, very heartwarming email as well. It's a little long, so I can't read the entire thing. But uh, I do want to give a shout out to David Rutley also for writing in. He also is a patron of Priority One um, and expressed why he enjoys supporting priority one um a lot of it having to do with uh, gaming over the years and his involvement with star trek online and 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 um being a part of fleets and then finding the show so a big shout out to david thank you so much again for your support too and from twitter jason smith posted not one but two great happy new year's posts and I just want to give a shout out to Jason. He is an active member in the Priority One Armada and usually spends time with us on Saturday nights on our uh, Twitch stream and comes out and runs events with us and then takes the most amazing screenshots of the events yep. featuring our ships and our characters. And they just look fantastic. And if you're not following him on Twitter, um, it's at CalgarJS, C A L. G-A-R-J-S uh, you need to because he does some fantastic work um, and uh, I'm a big fan of his well that wraps up episode 395 of Priority One a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast for more great podcasts like Mission Log and Mission Log Live Women at Warp and The Trek Files visit podcasts.roddenberry.com but we cannot forget to send a special thanks to our patron supporters. Diana Gunther, Peter Archibald, Starkicker, Darnell Dwayne Ross, and David K. Rutley. And before we go, here's a community question for this week. How do you think the destruction of the Romulan Star Empire will affect the Picard series? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or just find us on Twitter and Instagram at Priority One Pod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11.30 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts on Twitch, Facebook, Periscope, and YouTube, 
where they review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, to earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular rewards and giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, new and old. Just follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one, or keep an eye on our social media posts about Armada events. And if you'd like to join it, then visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to audio editors Brandon Parker, James Golding, Rand Hurl, Daniel Stevens, and an old friend of the show, Skiffy. Thanks to producer Jake Morgan for assisting in the writing of our show and social media endeavors. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Sue, no! Engage! All right, Tony, why don't you tell us what we've got this week in Stone News? Or you could call me Anthony. That'd be cool, too. <laughs> what did I call you? You called me Tony. You called him dead. That makes more sense. That oh. episode, the stupid time travel That's episode my favorite is... episode of season one, by the way. I, oh, my like, God. That is my you favorite episode are... of Discovery, is you... music to make the sanest you... man go mad. I, and can't, you like, like... I can't take it anymore. It's my favorite episode. <laughs> and you don't like the Orville? You like that garbage, and you don't like the Orville? Get out oh of here, Oh, my man. God. Get out of here. You know what? I'm firing myself. And this happiness is really contagious. Well, wait till you hear this episode. (laughs) 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 Everybody everybody hit stop. (sighs) Happy New Year. Podcast.roddenberry.com the Roddenberry Podcast Network.